Hey, hey everybody, welcome back to Date Night at the Coffee Shop. I'm Bart. That's not fair. I'm Sam. That's just... How's that not fair? Do you not remember who you are? I do remember who I am, but that's not how you said it the first time. <laughs> so we had a, a double take tonight. Had to uh, kind of restart from the dogs. Yeah. Just like to keep you on your toes. I know. I, I knew it. You did it on purpose. I did do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, again, welcome everybody. So glad you guys decided to join us tonight on our date night. Um, we've been having a lot of fun doing this, and we oh, yeah, are fun. so appreciative that you guys are continuing to listen in and join us. I know. It, makes, it makes my heart happy. Yeah. So, you people like us. You really like us. <laughs> so, that's cool. Um, but again, yeah, we're, we're glad you guys are here. Um, I think we're going to have a pretty, pretty good episode yeah, this week. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm really enjoying this new... Format? Well, I mean, yeah, the format, but really, I was just going to say, like, the new time. Like, we had time change a couple of weeks ago. And oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the days are just getting a little bit longer, so, oh, like, it's so nice cool. to have all this extra sunshine. I know. So, like, the light is still out a little bit. Yeah. It's typically always, like, been dark for a long time. I know. It's usually like nighttime when I get off work. I can sense the seasonal depression just lifting. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. So definitely glad about that. But yeah, this new format's good too. Um, here, I, here I was thinking you were talking about all of uh, the time that we've been spending together and like this new format, and you, you had me on your mind. But no, you were just thinking about the weather. I'm no. a little hurt. Well, well the you know, one, the of, the, one of the, the few times that I'm not thinking about you, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, how has, uh, so what what do we do first? What, what's, I forget, how do we do this thing? Uh, just whatever. Yeah, whatever. We have no plan. We are professionals. Yeah, very much. Soups Um. So, how was your week? It was good. Yeah? Uh... Last week was St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, we had corned beef that was, and potatoes and cabbage. That was really good. Yeah, your traditional. Yeah. Not super traditional Irish Yeah, like we dinner. talked about last time. Yeah. yeah, so for those of you that are maybe confused by that comment, go listen to our last week's episode where we very accurately described... Oh, yeah. We were what like, St. Patrick's Day was all about. Exactly. It was super official. But, yeah, I had a good week. Like, Monday was, so far this week, Monday has been, like, the best day, which is weird. Yeah. Tuesday and today have been interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we're recording this on Wednesday to come out on Friday, so. Yeah, like, Monday was fine, but, like, I don't know. Work-wise, it's just, I've been off out of sorts lately. The, I think, as, as much as I like the time change, I think it's really thrown me off. And the older I get, the worse I get, like, out of, you know, the more I get out of sorts with the time change. Yeah, you know? I, I feel like it doesn't really affect me that much. Like, I don't really, I hardly notice, other than just, like... I have more daytime in the evening. I love that. I That's really the only thing I notice. Yeah, I really like having more daytime, and that I I really thrive with that. But getting up in the morning is so hard, and it's so uh, much harder. I guess I don't feel like it's that much different. I feel like if I had to get up, if like if I had to go to work on like Sunday when the time changes, I might be a little different about it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, but. 
Yeah, that handled the time change like a champ. Yeah, didn't really that make much good. difference like, with her. I don't know how much longer we're going to have that for, but that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, she's been sleeping really good, sleeping yeah. through the night. And... Other than the occasional... Yeah, we'll, we'll get up every now and then, but it's it's more often than not, she's sleeping all the way through the night. It's really nice. weird, though, because like, she'll like be dreaming or, or like wake herself up or something because, you know, she does that little like whine or groan that yeah, she does. Yeah, she'll just start like yelling for while she's still asleep. Yeah, yeah. Or she'll like just start singing in her crib, you know. <laughs> just like she doesn't really need anything and you can tell she's like content. She's just... Yay. Yeah, just in there jabbering to herself. <laughs> she has uh, my gift to gab, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely doesn't come from me. <laughs> Not super talkative most of the time. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into it. So today we've got a uh, we've got a new coffee for you guys, to, or really for us. But if you want to try it, you're more than welcome to. Um, pretty excited about it. This one is from a company called Ethical Bean Coffee. Um, it's called the Sweet Espresso Blend. It's a medium dark roast. My uh, selection process cannot be matched. Yeah. Saying. Yeah. Um, so this one's pretty cool. We got this one. This one came from Walmart. Correct. We found it in the coffee aisle at Walmart. Um, it comes in a nice little um, like silver and yellow looking bag. And it's got a picture of a bee on the front. Uh, it's, Again, my selection process is just unmatched because I picked it for that reason. Because I was like, oh, that bag looks cute. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing when it comes to coffee is, it really is. how cute is the bag. Exactly. So uh, this one on the front of it, it says our beans are 100% traceable, fair trade, and organic, seasonally sourced. Did you scan the QR code on the back to see? Uh... What no. Comes no, I didn't. So on the front of it, it says trace these beans on the back, and then there's a QR code on a label. But on that label, it says Colombia, Mexico. So I'm assuming it comes from there. I'm going to try it. From those regions. Okay. So go ahead and, and scan that. Happens. Let's see what happens. So we're scanning the QR code on this so we can trace where these beans came from. Ooh, snap. Ethicalbean.com. Boom. Let's see. Sweet Espresso Origin. Our director of coffee sources, uh, our director of coffee sources with the harvest calendar. So the origin of your coffee changes with the seasons. This coffee comes from fair trade co-ops located in Colombia and Mexico. Oh, no way. I, I clicked on Colombia. Colombia says, oh my gosh, origin. Asocian de Productores de Café Especial Orcade or what does that say? Your Spanish is better than mine. Okay. Um, Asocia de Productores de Café Especial Orquidea. Um, Tolima, Colombia. Wow. That's so really it tells cool. you actually like... The grower, the, the grower Association. Yeah, and like the town it comes from. That's cool. That's so cool. Um, on the back, it's got this little like... Kind of like a little map thing mm -hmm. on here. Uh, it says, from crop to cup. Uh, and then the first one's got a picture of a little mountain that says beans sourced seasonally for freshness. Uh, farmers paid fairly for their best beans. Uh, slurped, scored, and approved by our experts. Small batch roasted, packed fresh. Uh, unique QR code added to each bag for 100% traceability. 
uh, into your hands, more importantly, into your cup. So that's pretty cool. I've never seen anything like like that. I mean, you know, a lot of places say like, oh, these come from this region or whatever. But the fact that you can actually trace it to like which farm yeah. and like which grower this comes from, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, then at the bottom it says, just better. Every delicious cup of ethical bean coffee has been crafted with one simple objective in mind, to make the best fair trade organic coffee on the planet, period. All right. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. I'm excited. Hang on. Hang on. So, oh, I just want to drink coffee. We've just been making sure this, because it doesn't say. We've been drinking trash coffee for the past few days. Uh, I don't want to say that. All right. So I thought it would get tasting notes. So it doesn't have anything about the tasting notes on here. It tastes sweet and it tastes like espresso. Let's do this. All right. So let me give it a sniff. Oh, that smells really good. It does smell good. It does smell kind of sweet. Um, I am getting like some some honey notes there just on the scent, which I guess is what the bee is for. Kind of like oh, some, yeah, uh, that's good. some some dark. Oh, that's dark real good. There. Yeah. So, all right. So let me take my first sip here. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that is good. I like that. Yeah, that's oh, nice. That's real good. Nice and smooth. Um, it's a little bit uh, brighter than I would have expected for an espresso, but it's really Well, good. most espresso blends are actually more of like a medium to medium dark roast like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. That's it's, real good. It's not, it doesn't have, it's not as sweet. Hang on. Maybe we should drink trash coffee. Like. So it's not as, um, it doesn't have as sweet tasting notes as it does like in the smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't taste the sweetness like it smells, but it's still really good. Yeah. Maybe uh -huh. we should drink not great coffee more often so that whenever we drink really good coffee, we appreciate it more. No. Okay, yeah, thanks. I, as soon as I said it, I regretted it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank prefer you. to just drink good coffee all the time. Uh, but yeah, this this is really good, especially yeah. um, since it came from Walmart. Yeah, so. it's not super harsh either. Like, mm -mm. it's mm -hmm. really good. And this, I could stand it to be just a little bit weaker because I like my coffee a little bit weaker. Um, yeah. But I do. Well, it's really hard for like me this. to dial in. Like, I'm pretty good at keeping because I normally just brew full pots. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, our grinder is kind of on the fritz. Yeah. So. So you have to grind more, but also less. It's weird. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of jammed up a little bit. So I ground a little bit extra to make up for it. Yeah. It's just a whole thing. We need to get a new grinder. Yeah. That's, um, on, that's on the list. Yeah. I think that's we may get one of those this weekend. But, no, this is really good. I'm just saying that, like, personally, I know you like your coffee a little bit stronger. I prefer mine a little bit weaker anyways. Yeah. Um, but this is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With it still being, like, a medium roast, you can kind of taste. It's almost like wine, like a little bit of tannins in it, kind of. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, just a little bit uh, dries your mouth out just a, just a bit. Yeah, but it's not, like, it's not overly powerful like some coffees tend to be, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Especially if you take a lighter roast. Like, the lighter roast that tends to be a little bit more drying yeah but yeah this is really good yeah it's well, very like very well balanced yeah so again go pick up yourself some uh, ethical bean coffee um did they have any more blends of this brand because i got this one the same time i got that other one that we tried 
Um, yeah, we've had this one for a while in reserve. Been waiting to try yeah. it. I don't know. I want to say that they had a purple bag as well, but I can't remember if I'm thinking of the other bag I bought. You know? Mm. Okay. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure they do. Yeah. But in any case, go pick it up. Ethical Bean Coffee. This is the yellow bag, the Sweet Espresso Medium Dark Roast. Highly it's recommend Pretty it. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and we'll jump into um, the rest of our episode. Um, what do we got going on? The random question. Yeah. Okay, so actually I saw one the other day that I wanted to ask on the pod, but I need to find it. So I'm going to read this, and then you're going to answer while I listen and look for that question. Okay. I promise I'm paying attention. Okay, sure thing. All right. Uh, when you are alone, do you talk to yourself out loud? Mm-hmm. Discuss. <laughs> Absolutely. How so? Like, I don't think I've, I don't think I've heard you do that. So I try not to make, I try to make sure nobody's listening because it's weird. But yeah, I definitely talk to myself. Because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't want people to be like, what's that guy doing talking to himself? He's, he must be crazy. But yeah, I do. What about you? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Absolutely. And like, I, it tends to come out more as uh, as like a mutter mm-hmm. than it does anything like coherent. I couldn't find it. I did a quick cursory glance in my, in my pictures. I thought I screenshot it, but I couldn't find the other picture. I'll find it again. But I absolutely talk to myself. And, it, and it's really helpful when it, now that Thea is around because I can, like, pretend like I'm talking to her, and it helps, too. Because I'm a, definitely a verbal processor. Yeah. I've got to, like, get it out. It help, It would help if I could write it down, and it works when I do write it down. But, yeah, I definitely talk to myself. And I <laughs> – something that I do – this is kind of embarrassing. But I also talk to myself to, like, self-soothe. So if I'm in a stressful situation, like if I'm driving, driving kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety, as you know. But if I am driving alone, and (laughs) I'll be in the car, and I'll be like, okay, all right, Sam, like, we're looking for this place, and say I'm going to, I don't know, like a store. Like, okay, so we're going to this store, and like, it's up there, and my GPS says this, and so I'm going to have to, like, go up there and then do this. And I just, that's how I talk to myself, like, all the time. And then if I miss it, I'm like, okay, well, we missed it. That's fine. Let me look for a place to turn around. And, like, as a way to just, like, get rid of all that nervous energy that I have, I tend to talk to myself in the car when I'm by myself. Yeah. So, yes. But I haven't heard you do it, so. Yeah, I try not to. Mostly, especially, it's like if I'm, if I'm like, working or doing something. Okay, so I have around. heard you. Like, whenever like I you... definitely, like... And I'll like cuss about stuff. Like yeah. I cuss a lot more, like to myself. And I'm just like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you were put, putting together her dresser in there, I definitely heard a lot of the expletives and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like talking to yourself that way. I heard mm-hmm. that for sure. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this son of a like trying to what now I've got to put that thing in here. Yeah. 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 I now that you say that I do remember. Here. I talk to manufacturers a lot, so if yeah. I'm like, because I put together a lot of things, yeah. and like when I come across instructions or something that don't make sense, I will oftentimes take that up with the imaginary manufacturers. That's standing there. Watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just in general, a lot. Like I do talk to myself, and then like 
Um, sometimes if I'm thinking about like a recent interaction, like I'll kind of play through that conversation and sometimes I'll even say like what I had thought to say or something like that, you know, yeah. you know how like sometimes you're just like, oh, I wish I would have said this in the moment. Yeah. Well, I do later. <laughs> and another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Yeah. That. I do later to myself. Yeah. Doesn't quite have the same effect, but I'm sure it's... it doesn't, but it got said. So yeah. that's important. So that's thing. the important thing. Yeah. yeah. I need to do that. I need to like go into the shower whenever we have an argument on the rare occurrence that we have an argument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just instead of like being like, ah, to you, I need to just like hang on. And then I'll just go in the bathroom and say all the things that I want to say that don't really mean anything and I don't really mean. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes if I'm thinking like, uh, like I know I'm going to have to have this, this conversation with somebody about whatever thing, like I'll kind of go through that in my head and like I'll kind of talk it out. Oh, sometimes too. See, that's smart. Like I, I do half thoughts. I don't know if you've definitely noticed this because sometimes I'll be, I'll just like start a sentence in the middle, thinking that I've been talking out loud to you, and I'll just be like, and that's why we should buy a dog or you know whatever. And you're just be like, what? Like I don't, I don't. Sometimes, mostly, it's you'll start a sentence and then stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll be like waiting on you to finish. Yeah. And waiting and waiting and then finally be like, so what? And then sometimes if it's been a real interesting day, I'll be like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. So like sometimes you're just like, so here's, here's the thing. And then like, you'll stop and I'll be like waiting. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm like, what's the thing? And you're like, what? What? And I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I don't... And I... So, like, yeah, I don't know if, like, you didn't mean to start that out loud. You were just thinking it or what. And what's, well, most of the time, whenever I'm like, what? And I'm like, I come back to that. I have already gotten to, like, 40 different thoughts. Like, I'm already, like, 40 different thoughts ahead, right? Yeah. And so I'm just like, well, wait, what? It's harder for me to, like, explain how I got to where I was. So I would say, like, so here's the thing. And then I would think all those 40 things. And it's just like, and that's why... Aliens don't wear hats. Mm-hmm. And it would be way too hard to, like, fill you in in the middle. So it's just like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. That's good. Okay. Um, who can drive you crazy in five minutes or less? Well, you're pretty good at that. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to be truthful. Yeah. <laughs> what? This isn't on the card, but I am curious. How or why? Mm. Zeus is over here groaning like, dude. <laughs> Zeus is trying to warn me not to, <laughs> not to fall for it. I do know that my impulsiveness... Tends yeah. to like drive you nuts. Yeah, and your impatience. I am not impatient. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so a lot of times you'll like all of a sudden realize that you want something done. Oh, and yeah. then like now is the only time that it could ever get done. Yes. And it's usually when I'm in the middle of doing something already. Yes. Well, that's because by the time that I have, like, we talked about this, like, and I've, ex- I've explained why I'm that way. It's by the time that I remember or by the time 
that I get to the point where I want it done, I've already thought about it for like six times. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about it and thought about it. And I haven't, I either haven't been able to do it or you haven't been able to do it or I keep forgetting or some, I'm in the middle of something else. And so it's just like, all right, this needs to be done right now. It's been bothering me and I've seen it this many times before and I just can't handle it anymore. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And I do know, like, whenever I... I don't remember what you were coming home from, but you came home from something and I was outside, like, looking at the outside of the house, like, just standing on the deck, like, thinking. And you're like, this does not bode well. It was when I brought... Oh, it was the chairs. After when I when I went to go get that patio set and brought it home. Yes. And then I'm coming home and you're out on the deck surveying the house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to admit that a lot of times my harebrained ideas really do benefit us in a lot of ways. They do. I just, I like to have a little bit more time to process things. Yeah. Not like, hey, I've got this idea. Let's go ahead and do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can see how that would be annoying. A hundred percent. I'm just excited about it. I know. And I've probably thought about it a lot, and I've thought about, like, all of the possible ways that it could go wrong. But, yeah. Which is funny, because then most of the time I'll also then find something else that could go wrong that you didn't think about. I know that makes me so mad. That makes me so mad when you're just like, well, and it's just like, no, this is my idea. I just want to do it. Yeah. Just go with it. I am very I am very good at at finding the fault in <gasps> ideas. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> and sure. realizing what's going to go wrong here. That's why I think sometimes whenever like I'm like, okay, so I have an idea, but you have to think about it for 5 full minutes and not say anything. Or like, okay, don't say no, don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like we have a rule where it's just like you you have to like tell me it's a good idea. You can't just go straight to telling me what's wrong with it. You have to give me credit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next one. What's your most embarrassing phobia? My most embarrassing phobia. Um, I don't know. I don't really, I'm really, not really afraid of a lot of things that I can think of. I'm afraid of everything all of the time. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, kind of. I mean, the only thing that really jumps out to mind is like, and I don't really know if it would necessarily be considered claustrophobia, because like I'm fine like in rooms and stuff, but I'm really afraid of like not being able to move. You're afraid of paralysis. Yeah, kind of, but like being confined. So like say like I'm okay in like a really tiny room as long as I can still move around in it. But like if I was in say like a coffin or something like and I couldn't move my arms, but I would you, have problems with that. But if you were in an expansive place and couldn't move at all, would that bother you? Mm. Is it just the inability to move that bothers you? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Okay. I'm really afraid of being stuck, though. Like, mm. like getting stuck somewhere. Ooh, like that freaks me out. That's interesting. Yeah, I've I've done a little bit of uh, spelunking and exploring, and 
get I've I've gotten stuck in some rock before, and that was not pleasant. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's like that's one of my things. Is like I, think I, that, I don't like the, the idea of being stuck somewhere. I, I think that the not being stuck or the not wanting to be stuck, that does have echoes of claustrophobia. So like, mm-hmm. but, but I am curious like what you define as stuck like this really is good like therapy questions but like i'm curious as to like what you define as stuck because like if you were in so like you were stuck in a room no no no, no. i mean like wedged right. between rocks right that's my thing so like i think like i'm wondering for you if it's like the inability to move more so than like being trapped yeah i mean i don't know you know I what i mean i mean if I've never just been like paralyzed before, yeah. so I don't know. Maybe if I had like one of those like sleep sleep paralysis or something. Let's get some drugs and try it out. That always sounds like a great <laughs> a great plan. Let's get some drugs and try, and try it. Out. Yeah, that sounds all like all great gonna, stories start. It sounds like it's gonna go. Yeah, all great stories. You're right. All great stories start with let's get some drugs. That sounds like. The thing to do. I feel like this, it would be a really good, ex- like, for, it's for science. For mm-hmm. science. That's what I will tell this non-existent drug dealer that I know. Like, for science. And that's what I'll tell the police when they catch yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know, now that we have a kid, if, if we can really, you know, start a lot of stories with, let's get, get some, some drugs. drugs. That's a good point. You know. It's at least going to have to be, uh, somebody's going to have to watch her for the weekend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. And I'm not talking about, like, street drugs. I'm talking about, like, under medical supervision, I guess. I guess. But I don't think that any, like, people... There's not a whole lot of situations where the statement, let's get some drugs, (laughs) follows up with (laughs) medical supervision. That's a good point. That's a Unless theory. we're joining some kind of clinical trial. That's true. Good point. Fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. See, there you go. Being all logical again. I can't help it. One more? Yeah, last one. I didn't answer that one. Oh, yeah. Well, so what's yours? Uh, I'm afraid of, like, I can think of two things that I, like, that would be considered a phobia. Uh, I'm afraid of the dark. I really don't like being like I don't like um, so like not being able to see mm-hmm. that really really bothers me when I was younger I used to sleep with my glasses on because mm-hmm. like not being able to see really really freaks me out so like I don't know if it's actually like being afraid of the dark because if I'm in the dark and my eyes adjust I'm fine oh then you're not necessarily really in the dark right exactly see. exactly but like not being able to see really freaks me out mm-hmm. So if, say, you were somewhere where it was, like, so foggy or something, so it's, like, still kind of light, but you just can't see. Oh, that bothers me. Okay. Yeah, that really bothers me. So that's really what it is, is just not being able to see. Yeah, that okay. really, really bothers me. Okay. Like, because it's, it's so disorienting, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that, that bothers me a lot. Yeah. And then the other one, and I don't think, like, I watched It, so, like, it's not, like, it, I'm not afraid of clowns. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid of clowns. Yeah. In situations where they shouldn't be. So, like, I'm afraid of. So, in a place where a clown shouldn't be. Right. Which is most places. 
Right. So that's the thing. Like, it's really weird. So seeing a clown, just like a random... Yeah, I, so I, if you're just like at Walmart and then a clown just kind of walks down the aisle, yeah, that, that's a problem. Yes, that is a huge problem to me. Like, But if we see them at like a parade or like in a children's hospital or mm-hmm. like that's perfectly fine but seeing just like something unex and i don't know if it i don't know if it's just like just clowns but that's the one thing that really creeps me out about mm-hmm. it or if it's something that's like that shouldn't be there yeah does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah that really that really freaks me out I got you. I like, got you. the idea of, like, whenever a few years ago, whenever, like, clowns were just, like, oh, just hanging out in the woods. Yeah, that whole clown thing where people were dressing up like clowns and messing with people. I'm getting, yeah. like, I'm getting, like, anxious just thinking about it. Like, yeah. that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I actually have another one now that I think a little bit more about it. I get really freaked out by, like, the idea, and it, obviously it never really happens, but, like, little things. Like, like little, and like I don't know. I don't really know any like little people or anything. So like I don't know. Like if her actual little. Well, actually, I did actually at Asherion. So one of my former coworkers was, and she didn't really bother me. But just like the idea of like a little diabolical thing, I guess. Like the idea of like Chucky. Oh like, yeah. That yeah. freaked me out. Yeah. The leprechaun. The movies, the leprechaun, mm. freaked me out. And, like, the idea of, like, me being somewhere and then, like, something, some small thing. Like, I'm much more freaked out by, like, a small, small thing, like, I guess, creature, something, mm. than I would be, like, by, like, this giant monster or something like that. Like, if that was to happen. I wonder if it's because small is unassuming. Maybe. You know? Maybe. It's like, it's, like, kind of like a trickery thing. Yeah. yeah. But even, like... If a little person is around, like, they do catch my eye, and I'm kind of like... It makes you a little wary. It's, I'm a little uncomfortable, just because I'm just like, what are they doing? Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it's, like, the unassuming part, and, like, the, like... Because that goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, dolls, too. Mm-hmm. You know? How, like... Because it's, like, they're miniature. They're little. Yeah. So... Okay, and we're back. So sorry, we had a uh, little hiccup with uh, Thea had had uh, woken up yeah. a little a little uh, upset. So yeah. uh, back to our discussion. So we're talking here about um, things that scare you. Yeah, things. What is it? Phobias that you're most embarrassing phobia. Yeah, embarrassing phobias. We're talking about my fear of small things. Things. Yeah. yeah. Things that are in miniature. Yeah. And it makes Not sense. necessarily like just things that are miniature, but like small, I guess, anthropomorphized things. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, little people. Not necessarily as much with little people, although they do catch my attention. Right. I would say. Right. But like, yeah, like small. I wonder if like. Foes, I guess. Well, like it's interesting because, you know, there is something kind of like I'm thinking about the the uh, micro mini like dogs that are like incredibly small. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of like 
creepy looking. You know, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of them and stuff like that, but like, because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like that's, that's uncomfortable, you know? So I wonder if that would be similar. Mm, I think I'm fine with teeny tiny dogs. No, like, I wonder if this is like related to Uncanny Valley too. I think so. I think because it's like just not, it's like not right. And I hesitate to say that because not necessarily that like there's anything wrong with little people. I don't really have a problem with little people. And I don't think it's, I don't think it is little people that, yeah. you're, that you're afraid of. I yeah. think it's. But like say a real life leprechaun or some sort of like small supernatural entity, something like that. Yeah. Like. Would freak me out. I think like, like we talked about this before, like fairies. Yeah. Like they're creepy. Would freak me out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is. It's the it's the idea of, I think, that right there, the supernatural. And I think it stems from the fact that you were allowed to watch Leprechaun when you were three years old. Yeah, that's probably, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where my clown thing comes from. Or my fear of not being able to see. Uh. And those aren't necessarily embarrassing things, but I think... I think for me, it, it's embarrassing that I'm 30, I'll be 32 this year, and I'm afraid of the dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. And, like, clowns, like, come on, like, that's so common. But it's not just the clowns. And I am wondering, too, if something else were to be out of place, if it would feel as ominous as a clown does when it's just random. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm cur- I'm wondering. I'm curious about that. I just know, like, every now and then, like, I'll get that... You ever get that feeling where you're just, like, there's no one around, and, like, you know no one's supposed to be around, and you can almost feel that, like, some, if something, like, something may, like, walk, a, a, Ooh, like, like, a, like across, around the corner or something like that. It's when you scare yourself. The, yeah, the, when the, you're, like, freak, like psyching yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're home alone... And yeah. you're just like, oh man, wouldn't it and be you so just, creepy? And it's like almost like you expect something to come around the corner. Yeah. And like, that would freak you out. Yeah. So to me, I always picture something small like that. Like if I'm home alone oh. and say something small. And, like, you, and you freak yourself out. Yeah, yeah. Like say if I was at home alone and I didn't know there was somebody else here, some like normal sized person walks around the corner, I'd be like, whoa, I didn't know anybody was here. But if a little person came around the corner, it would freak me the hell out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know why. That makes sense to me because, like, whenever I'm home alone, too, like like I said, like, you, you go ahead and scare yourself. Like, you're mm-hmm. washing the dishes, you're listening to music, and it's just like, oh, wouldn't it be so creepy? And you don't need, like, that phrase, that wouldn't it be so creepy if that phrase is just kind of implied in your head. Yeah, it's it kind of gets omitted and then you automatically like see the here. scene of yeah. like somebody yes. of like something or yeah. someone coming yeah. around the corner. Somebody's here. Yeah, to like, me that something yeah. is always like a little person or like the leprechaun from the movies or Chucky or like something small. If it had been Jason Voorhees, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Or Michael Myers, I'd be okay with that. But yeah. God help me if it was something small. My thing like And that I don't know I don't know why. Yeah. Probably, like you said, probably because I was inadvertently allowed to watch. Inadvertently. Okay. Inadvertently. So at a very young age, the very first scary thing I ever saw was the movie Leprechaun. When I was When I was three years old. Mm. <laughs> 
And not even like, oh, that came across TV. Like, we watched it. Yeah. We sat down and watched the whole thing. Inadvertently, my butt. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to move on. Yeah. That did, did, that did get in trouble for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Understandably so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on. We're talking, uh, we, we, we've we're got talking our topic. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about phobias. Now we're done with that. Uh, but we do have a topic for this evening. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about secret societies. I'm excited about this. One. I am too. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, so I was doing a deep, so what I was, what I was doing a deep dive on before we started recording was Bohemian Grove. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about it, and I know that as far, okay, I am pretty sure that the concept of Bohemian Grove was featured in the series True Detective. And so, like, that's... I've heard of, of that. So I've been told that was really good, and I need to check it out. I've just done, like, I did, like, a, I, I started to go on a deep dive, and then I realized if I went on this deep dive, I was going to keep going way too far. And so mm-hmm. I just, I ended up doing a surface-level snorkeling okay. expedition on it. Well, before we really <laughs> dig into anything particular, I want to go ahead and just kind of talk a little bit about secret societies in general. Yeah, and yeah. mostly just kind of, like, from, like, the Secret Society Wikipedia page. You and I are both in a secret society. Yeah different ones but yes. yeah um so this uh, a secret society this is from wikipedia it, it's oh a, i have that page filled up too oh okay yeah um it's a club or an organization whose activities events inner functioning or membership are concealed the society may or may not attempt to conceal its existence the term usually excludes covert groups such as intelligence agencies or guerrilla warfare insurgencies that hide their activities and membership but maintain a public presence I mean, um, I feel like the CIA is a secret society. Well. Kind of. Not necessarily. It's. Oh, I gotta say, I think I was telling you this the other day. This is just a sidebar. Sidebar. The NSA agent that's assigned to my internet browser history probably talks about me in therapy. Maybe. Because of all the weird stuff I Google. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Uh, but uh, the CIA is not, it's not necessarily a, a society. No, okay, it's that's true. But just it's like a profession, professional yeah. organization. It's not. I guess, I guess, I guess. Um, let's see, definitions. So part of it is kind of like some of the definitions are kind of skewed on, on who it is, but different authors and, um, you know, there are different kind of qualifications, I suppose. Um Alan Axelrod, author of International Encyclopedia of, in, of Secret Societies and Fraternal Orders, describes a secret society as an organization that is exclusive, claims to own special, in, special secrets, and shows a strong inclination to favor its members. And so most of these are fairly, um, fairly similar. Um, Isn't there something too about like how some secret societies, their definition of being secret is denying its members? Um, That's kind of part of it is like having... There is no war in Bossing Say, like that kind of thing. Like they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. This isn't a... No, you know, like... Like denying its existence. Denying, not just its, its existence, but denying that even if it did exist, like you're not supposed to tell people that you're a member of it. You're supposed to like... 
I'm sure there are some. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, this one, let's see, Richard Spence from the University of Idaho offered a similar three-pronged definition. The group's existence is usually not kept secret, but some beliefs or practices are concealed from the public and require an oath of secrecy and loyalty to learn. Mm -hmm. The group's promises... Uh, the group promises superior status or knowledge to members, uh, and the group's membership is in some way restrictive, such as by race, sex, religious affiliation, or invitation only. Does that mean that the Klan is a secret society? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hate that. Why? That's just like... That just opens up a whole can of worms for, like, secret society. Like, I don't know. It's like a... I guess it's a rectangles and squares argument. But, like... I just never Well, thought. obviously, I mean, it's not like just because it's a secret society doesn't mean it's not problematic. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's probably the opposite of true. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, like... I just never thought of the clan as being... Exclusive? No, like a secret society. Well, I mean, they've got their own, like... They've got rituals and stuff that they do. That they do. Did I tell you about the time that my dad and I stumbled upon a clan meeting house? Mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I was practicing driving there in uh, on the old, I don't know if I should give the location, but uh, on the old Montana Highway there in uh, DeKalb County. Yeah. And uh, we saw this building and... I forget why. I think, like, Dad was in the market for, like, a studio or something at the time. And uh, we went and looked. And he was, like, looking at it and looking, like, through the windows and stuff like that. And he came back to the car. He's like, we need to leave right now. <laughs> and then whenever, a little bit later, like, it was, like, there were, like, gas cans out back. There was, like, stuff on the walls that he could see through the window. Like, it was a clan meeting house. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty weird yeah anywho so yeah i pulled up the secret society wiki wikipedia page as well and so i see what it says about um like uh the group promises superior status or knowledge to its members that i don't get because like the secret societies that we're part of like i mean i guess we have i don't feel like we're superior, like, we don't tout, at least mine, like, we don't tout superior status. Well, it's not necessarily like, it's not and. So, I mean, there is knowledge that was given to you that's not just given to everyone else. That's true. Things, secrets that you all hold, you know. That's true. That's hold true. within your society. Um, and same with, with mine, and we're both talking about our college fraternities, which yeah. would be considered secret societies. Well, yeah, but whenever you say fraternities, it doesn't make it sound as cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, there's there's knowledge there that, that you don't share with, with other people. That's true. Um, but also, in a fraternity like that, uh, ours are geared towards like specific professions generally or at yeah. least like subsets so they're both music fraternities um so in a sense it does kind of promote superior status in the sense that like it gets you connected in that realm that gotcha. could kind of foster um Nepotism. trajectory towards 
a severe, nepotism. Well, no, not nepotism, not necessarily, but it kind of fosters, you know, a potential trajectory towards a superior status. That makes sense. Yeah, and we'll get into which in, in, inherently would be the promise of a superior status by becoming by a part of that society. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, that makes sense. And we'll get into one from Yale. I don't know if you looked at that one. Uh, I don't think so. But yeah. So, okay, cool. Which one? Go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna. I was just kind of looking through some. Some of this is is interesting here. Um, Spence also proposes a subcategory of elite secret societies, um, composed of high income and socially influential people, and notes that secret societies have a frequent, if not universal, tendency towards factionalism, infighting, and claiming origins older than can be reliably documented. Mm-hmm. Spence's definition. Includes groups traditionally thought of as secret societies, Freemasons and Rosicrucians. Uh, yeah, Rosicrucians and other groups not so traditionally classified, such as certain organized crime cabals, <gasps> the mafia, what? religious groups, Order of the Assassins, stop it, and Thelema. Stop it. And political movements, the Bolsheviks, and the Black Dragon Society. And while we're talking about that, yes, I did look into that. I followed that one to the Order of the Assassins. That's a real thing. So, Order of Assassins, or simply Assassins, um, were a Nizari Ismaili mysterious sect of Shia Islam who lived in the mountains of Persia and in Syria between 1090 and 1275. During that time, they held a strict subterfuge policy throughout the Middle East through the covert covert murder of first Muslim and later Christian leaders who were considered enemies of their state. The modern term assassination is based on the tactics used by the assassins. So yes, your awe expression uh, is correct. The entire series of Assassin's Creed is based on this actual order of assassins. As a matter of fact, if you remember, the, I don't think you played all the way through the first one. In the, know, ver- the, the very, on the me. very first one, you are an assassin that's um, in this uh, the group that is housed in a place called Masayef. That is one of the strongholds of the actual order of assassins. Yes, absolutely. So, formed the backbone of assassins, included Syrian strongholds at Masayef, Abu Qabais, Al Kadmus, and Al Khalif. Or Al Kaf. Yes, it does. It looks just like that. It's so cool. And then, as a matter of fact, so it said, you know, it said that their targets were first Muslim Muslim. and then later Christians. So, the very first Christian. The very first Christian. Target was, uh, let's see, Raymond II, Count of Tripoli. The assassins were acknowledged and feared by the Crusaders, losing the mm. de facto king of Jerusalem, Conrad of Montferrat, uh, to an assassin's blade in 1192. Da, 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 da. Oh, where was it? I, know I saw it in here. Hey. It says the Count of Tripoli in 1213 was blah, 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 namesake, blah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm reading it along with you. This is so interesting. Here, let me just 
just do like command it. F. Yeah. This is so, so cool. Yeah. So let's see. Dun, dun, dun. A few <laughs> years later in 1150. So this is talking about two assassinations are known from this period in a revenge attack. Doc M. Jandal and Wadi Al-Time chieftain who had killed assassin Dai Byram in 1127 died from an assassin's blade in 1149. A few years later in 1152, possibly in retaliation to the establishment of the Knights Templar at Tartarus, Raymond II, Count of Tripoli, was killed by assassins. This marked the first known Christian victim. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the first orders of business that uh, Sinan confronted was continuing the threat uh, from Nuradin, as well as the Knights Templar's presence at Tartarus. So yeah, they actually did um, also kind of were at odds with the Knights Templar, that. which is kind of the backstory of and, and the uh, general hmm. theme of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Interesting. Yep, so based on real stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, one thing, and I just wanted to, I think there was a little paragraph here. I'm going to go, I'm going to spend way too much time looking into these secret societies. Like, I probably mm-hmm. should have been mm-hmm. doing that before now, but I'm just saying, I'm going to spend so much time. Um, let's see. The so the assassins appear in role-playing games and video games, especially in massively multiplayer online games. Uh, the assassins' character class is a common feature of many such games. Uh, the Assassin's Creed video game series portrays a heavenly fictionalized Hashashin order, which is um, actually the word Hashish comes from there. There's this whole thing about Hashish as well. Um, cool. But it was expanded beyond its Levantine confines and is depicted to have existed throughout recorded history, along with their nemesis, the Knights Templar. Uh, both orders are presented as fundamentally philosophical rather than as religious in nature and are expressly said to predate, predate the faith that their real-life counterparts arose from, thus allowing for the expansion of the respective histories purported last, uh, both before and after their factual time frames. However, Assassin's Creed draws much of its content from historical facts and even incorporates as the creed itself the purported last words from Hassan Sabah, nothing is true, everything is permitted. Dang. Yeah, though sources for that quote are largely unreliable. That is like the actual like main, the, the creed part of Assassin's Creed and you kind of see that in several times where it shows like them like inducting a new member. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. I can't believe it's real. It's real. Anyway, so that's that's that. That's fun. Um so yeah, did so did you have anything when I was reading across that, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, that's the most amazing thing I've ever read my entire life. I so did, I definitely had to go over that. Yeah. So the 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 one I wanted to cover, but I like I said, I was going to do a deep dive, realized it was going to take way too much time and energy and I was going to get lost in it. And so I ended up going on a snorkeling expedition instead, is uh, Bohemian Grove. Okay. So... I've seen I've listened to a couple of podcasts about this actually and basically it is this okay I'm just going to read the Wikipedia page for it 
Uh, it is a restricted 2,700-acre campground um, in Monte Rio, California. It belongs to a private San Francisco-based gentleman's club known as the Bohemian Club. In mid-July each year, Bohemian Grove hosts more than a two-week encampment of some of the most prominent men in the world. The Bohemian Club's all-male membership includes artists, musicians, as well as many prominent business leaders, government officials, former U.S. presidents, senior media executives, and people of power. But who, though? <clears throat> membership and operation. Oh, come on. Let me, let me, Bohemian, Bohemian Grove members. Oh, look, there's a Reddit thread. Let's. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised there's a Reddit thread for pretty much everything. That's true. That there is. Where is, anyways, like basically there's all kinds of weird and freaky stuff that happens at the Grove. Um, and I want to say that, like, it's rumored that, uh, let me look. Yeah. I thought I saw this here. Controversies, traditions, facilities, membership. I'm looking for the page. This Wikipedia page is huge. Sorry. While you're looking across that, I've got uh, I've got a couple other pages here. One is five secret societies that have remained shrouded in mystery. Um, this is from history.com from the History Channel. Um, number one, the Knights Templar. Uh, the Knights Templar were warriors dedicated to protecting Christian pilgrims to the Holy Land during the Crusades. The military order was founded around 1118 when Hugues de Pions, a French knight, uh, created the Poor Fellow Soldiers of Christ and the Temple of Solomon, or the Knights Templar for short. Headquartered at Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Members pledged to live a life of chastity, obedience, and poverty, abstaining from gambling, alcohol, and even swearing. The Knights Templar were known for more than their military prowess and moral lifestyle. They became one of the most wealthy and powerful forces in Europe after setting up a bank that allowed pilgrims to deposit money in their home countries and withdraw it in the Holy Land. So, a lot of that. Hmm. And then uh, the next one would... There's a whole lot more, actually, that I don't really want to get into. Um, this is interesting, though. Um, yeah. So this one just talks about the symbols of it. And the, the Knights Templar symbol is the Cross of Lorraine, um, which is like this... Um, I think it's like that... Uh, it's a double-barred cross... It's featured prominently in the coat of arms of the Duke, the Dukes of Lorraine. Um, it's like the one that, so it's like, it's like a cross with like another cross on top of it. Yeah. Like a little one. Yeah. So, um, 
Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. After Lorraine nobleman Godfrey de Bouillon became the king of Jerusalem during the First Crusade, the symbol became known as the Jerusalem Cross. When the Knights Templar arrived in the Holy Land, they adopted it as the symbol of their order. During World War II, the Cross of Lorraine was a symbol of the French resistance to Nazi rule. And some eagle-eyed observers have claimed to spot the Cross of Lorraine in the Exxon and Nabisco logos and even stamped on Oreo cookies. What? What? Oh my goodness. Now that, I, now that you say that, mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. interesting. So the Knights Templar make Oreo cookies. So Oreos are the official cookies of the, the Knights, Knights Templar. Templar. Nice. I like it. Uh, the next is the Freemasons. Mm. Um, Freemasons loom large in American history. After all, 13 of the 39 men who signed the U.S. Constitution were Masons. Founding fathers like George Washington, James Monroe, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, and Paul Revere all counted themselves as members of the Fraternal Order. But who are the Freemasons? The Freemasons can trace their routes to the Middle Ages in Europe, a time when most craftsmen were organized into local guilds. Cathedral builders, by nature of their profession, had to travel from city to city. They identified one another via signs of their trade, like the builder's square and compass in Freemasonry's now iconic symbol. The earliest reference to Masons is in the Regis poem, or Hallowell Manuscript, which was published in 1390, but Freemasonry as we know it today was founded in 1717, when four London lodges merged to form England's first Grand Lodge, Freemasonry quickly spread across Europe and to the American colonies. And as far as their beliefs, uh, Freemasonry is not a religion, though members are encouraged to believe in a supreme being or grand architect of the universe. Ooh. Masonic temples and secret rituals have brought them into conflict with the Catholic Church, the church first condemned the Freemasons in 1738 and has gone on to issue around 20 decrees against them. In 1985, Roman Catholic bishops restate, restated over 200 years' worth of these strictures in the face of an increased number of Catholics joining the order. The church wasn't their only enemy. The secrecy of the Masons garnered such uh, distrust in early America that it inspired America's first third party, the Anti-Masonic Party. Interesting. Yeah, I never heard of that. Huh. I'm assuming it didn't last very long. Yeah. So I found some more information. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Go ahead. So this is the. Uh... Bohemian Grove. Yeah. Okay, so today Bohemian Grove serves as a getaway for members to reconnect with each other and to let loose. The club's motto is. Quote, weaving spiders come not here, end quote. Uh, a line from William Shakespeare, Mid Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. It means the members aren't supposed to work while at Bohemian Grove. However, there have been notable exceptions, including the planning for the Manhattan Project in 1942. Um, hmm. mm -hmm. Past members and guests have included Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Carl Rove, Theodore Roosevelt, Walter Cronkite, Dwight Eisenhower, Barry Goldwater, Colin Powell... And Nelson Rockefeller. Whoa. Though membership guidelines don't explicitly require a seven-figure bank account, the membership fees would be hard to pay without one. The initial joining fee alone is $25,000, and members must also pay yearly fees. Hmm. Um, one former guest told uh, all that's interesting is that the average time on the wait list for the club is usually between 20 and 30 years. 
though it's faster if you play an instrument. Because it started out as uh, like an artist yeah. thing. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, it's honestly just a place where wealthy guys from San Francisco get go to be drunk knuckleheads. Uh, the overriding agenda is to get so wasted every day that any reasonable person would immediately call 911 to get help. Hmm. Um, seems, I mean, it seems kind of silly to pay a whole lot of money to do that. I mean, you could just do that. Yeah. I think there's some more nefarious things happening, but that's... Well, obviously, if they're over there planning the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Bohemian Grove members can also participate in participate in unusual ceremonies like the cremation of care, which involves members cremating a coffin effigy before a 40-foot concrete owl. Oh, that's... And they also have plays. That's strange. Uh, as with any elite club, rumors are about uh, rumors about the Bohemian Club have abounded throughout the years, guarded by a sophisticated security security system and hidden by two hundred foot tall trees because it's in the redwood forest. Mm. Um, the Bohemian Grove Club has been notoriously tight lipped about its inner workings for decades. This has led some to speculate that it's not just a summer camp for the wealthy, and that might that it might be actually a secret society full of Illuminati members or occultists. Interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of Illuminati, I also have a little bit of information on that. Ooh, let's um, do it. That's on this list here from History.com. The Illuminati were founded by Professor Adam Weishaupt in Bavaria on May 1st, 1776. Weishaupt, chafing at the power of the conservative Catholic Church and the Bavarian monarchy, sought to cast aside organized religion in favor of a new form of illumination through reason inspired by the spread of the Enlightenment across Europe. He also drew upon ideas expressed in by the Jesuits. He was a former member. The Mysteries of the Seven Sages of Memphis, the Kabbalah, and Freemasons. He recruited heavily from the latter group, infiltrating Masonic lodges in his quest to recruit some of the wealthiest and most influential men in Europe. Members of the Bavarian Illuminati, referred to as perfectibilists, were broken into three tiers of increasing power and drawn from societal elites, including noblemen like former uh, Freemason Baron von Nieg and writer Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. All communication was in cipher, and members were given classical nicknames. Weishaupt's, for example, was Spartacus. And what happened to the Illuminati? The organization flourished before being stamped out by Carl Theodore of Bavaria, who issued an edict making membership in the Illuminati punishable by death in 1787, which is actually so only like 11 years later. But the death of the Bavarian Illuminati did not quell gossip about their clandestine activities, and conspiracy theorists have linked the group to everything from the French Revolution to the assassination of JFK. The Illuminati served as inspiration for Dan Brown's Angels and Demons and Foucault's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. Interesting. And apparently Beyonce and Jay-Z are also members of the Illuminati and they're going to be part of the... No, that's what every... The Illuminati's behind everything and everybody's in the Illuminati. I want to be in the Illuminati, kind of. You know, like, makes Mm. me feel special. Yep. (laughs) To be in a secret society. 
Another one that uh, actually is from the Wikipedia page for secret societies that I found interesting. The organization Opus Dei, Latin oh, yeah. for work of God, is portrayed as a secret society of the Catholic Church. Now, this is actually talked about in... in uh, Angel uh, of the Demons, Dan Brown's novel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, critics such as the Jesuit Wat- Vladimir Ladochowski or Ledochowski, I'm not sure, sometimes referred to Opus Dei as a Catholic uh, or Christian, what is it, as a Catholic form of Freemasonry. Hmm. Other critics label Opus, Opus Dei as Holy Mafia or Holy Santa Mafia. Mafia. As the organization is connected with various questionable practices, including intense brainwashing of its members to exploit labor force, as well as the direct involvement of members in severe crimes, such as baby trafficking in Spain under the dictator Francisco Franco. Okay, so I was going to make a joke about brainwashing, and then you mentioned baby trafficking, so maybe not. Maybe it's not funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. That's... That's yeah. That's sucky. Yeah. So definitely wild. Yeah. Oh, back to our. Um, hang on. So basically, secret societies are terrifying, and uh, no one is in charge ever. Like, if you think you're in charge of something, you're really not. Yeah. And there's that, always a secret society behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Oh, so, so never mind. So back to our conversation earlier about the the KKK being a secret society. Um, I was just. I mean, it's through. a hate organization. Let's be real. Yeah, but. it's it's definitely. I mean, still a secret society, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's a listing here by location, and KKK is listed here, but it's not the same KKK. So that's it. Kind of. It's there's actually from the Philippines. There's an organization called KKK. Uh, um, the Katipunan, officially known as the Katastasan Kagalangalangangang Katipunan Anak Bayan. No, I was not done. That last one is 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 a is a lot. Anyway, you it was a Philippine Revolutionary Society founded by anti Spanish colonialism Filipinos in Manila in eighteen ninety two. Its primary goal was to gain independence from Spain through a and that's where the rest of that preview cuts out. I don't really feel like following that rabbit hole right now. There's so many rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. So in my looking, when I went down like the thing about Bohemian Grove, I found another one that I think you would be interested in. It's called the Cicada 3301 Secret Society. Also, yeah. speaking Why do you of, think I would be interested in that? Sidebar about cicadas. I was digging up our irises the other day and I forgot that cicadas live underground and I got incredibly freaked out because I saw a cicada while I was over there digging them up and it was really, really unsettling. Anyways, I was real upset by it. Anyways, so I'll tell you why I think you would be interested. Secret societies aren't all about nocturnal rituals. Internet-based clubs started appearing in 2012 with the secret cicada 3301 Society, a group that recruits with internet-based puzzles placed online on 4chan with clues dropped on Twitter. The challenges focus on cryptography, data security, uh, steganography, and internet anonymity. 
Some speculate Cicada 3301 is a recruitment tool for U.S. or U.K. intelligence agencies. Can you become a white hat hacker with your uh, internet development skills? Nah. Anyways, others believe it's an alternate reality game or a group advocating for online privacy and freedom of information. There have been no attempts to monetize the society, although the thriller Dark Web adopted the concept. Dark Web. Dark Web. <laughs> Dark Web. <laughs> oh, no, that's a YouTube video. I don't want to watch that. But, yeah. three The Cicada 3301 Society. Interesting. That does sound, yeah. The puzzles part of it really, really got me. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I thought that was so cool. Oh, do you know any Masons? Uh, yeah, I do. And, like, Masons and Shriners and, like, the Elk Lodge and all that kind of stuff, that's the same thing. Well, not the same thing. That's really sensitive. But that's, like, the same kind of stuff. Uh, Shriners are... It's like a subset inside Freemasons, I believe. Oh. Okay. Well, I know a lady who... Well, I don't really know her very well. It's just, like, an acquaintance who... She is in the Order of the Eastern Star. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually apparently really popular in this area. Um, yeah? Yeah. But I went to church with her when I was little. And the Order of the Eastern Star is basically the Freemasons for women. That's not what they say it is, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the Freemasons for ladies. What are you looking at over there? Uh, I was just looking at the uh, Freemason wiki page to, to try to find some of that. Um, actually, let me take a look at my other thing over here. It's really interesting that, like, and I think when we were when you're reading the um, what was it, the Wikipedia page for Secret Society, I think it's so fun to follow those little breadcrumbs and all that kind of stuff. And for the most part, I think secret societies really are just innocuous. You know, like they're not, it's not a big deal. But I think whenever it said something about um, how like their origins are, like they're like, oh yeah, like we were here before dirt was here. You know, like they get like real grandiose with like mm, they're well, those elite ones yeah yeah like they get like real grandiose with like how long they've been around and like all that kind of stuff and i think it's really interesting how i think we talked about was this it? uh claiming origins older than can be reliably documented yeah, yeah i think it's it's so fun because we were talking about it about like history and i think we were talking about in terms of like christianity and stuff and it just makes me so sad that so many documents have been destroyed and, like, that history isn't preserved accurately, you know? Yeah. And, because I think that, because, like, when you're talking about Assassin's Creed too, or the Order of Assassins, about how there's so much mystery in our past. And that has led to a lot of the formation of these secret societies. And so it just makes me wonder in... A thousand years, if we're, if we're all still here and we haven't, you know, hurled ourselves into the sun by that point, like, what will our current day tell future generations about, like, us and, like, what secret societies will be developed and all that kind of stuff? Like, does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, here are these technological gadgets that our people used, to, like, our ancestors used to just spend all day staring at. And like holding in their hands, like 
I, I don't really see the relevance, like the connection to secret societies. Though. Well, just like I just think it's not entirely connected. I just think it's interesting how we tend to make sense of our past and how we draw things from our past and bring them to our present. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the Freemasonry stuff has like roots in like Christianity or like these ancient ancient rituals and like with the assassin's creed like we made a video game about something that was very very real yeah that really happened and that was probably incredibly traumatic and like really scary at the time you know yeah but we're so far removed from it that like it's like oh that's cool we're gonna make a video game about it you know yeah i guess so it's just interesting the the pieces of our history that we bring forward and like how we tend to how one, how once you become so far removed from it, it looks completely different, I guess. Yeah. Again, not like super related to secret societies, but it makes me wonder if there is going to be a secret society like developed to tablets or computers or, you know, like if there are going to be pieces of that in the rituals of the secret societies of tomorrow. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe. It'll be interesting to, to, to see. And that reminds me of a question. Would you rather go uh, like 10 years back in time or a thousand years ahead in time? The would you rather question. I don't, I don't know. Probably. I, I mean, I think it'd be cool to go a thousand years forward. Mm-hmm. 10 years back. I mean, I remember 10 years ago. So Yeah, right? Interesting. What else you got? Um, not much. Just uh, I, th- I think kind of what you were hinting on earlier about how you know secret societies for the most part are kind of innocuous, and I, I do think a lot of people probably put a lot more on secret societies than there actually are. I think people tend to because they are secret, they tend to kind of place these like heinous mm-hmm. like. Uh, no. Motives. Yeah. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, but like, you know, kind of like this, uh, they kind of paint them in, in a not so great light, thinking yeah. that they're kind of behind all of the nefar- nefarious, that's the word I'm thinking yeah. of, like kind of a nefarious viewpoint of them as a whole, just because they don't really know it and they're kind of uncomfortable with the secrecy about it, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think secret societies are just a hop, skip, and a jump from cults. That's true. You know what I mean? So, like, there is some there is some validity to some suspicion and some, like, what's going on behind the curtain kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. Because some of them really are. And, like, I think a lot of cults start out as, like, with, like, the Nexium cult. Like, it starts out as something really elite. Or it starts out as something... Which one is the Nexium? Is that the one that the, the sex one, trade? Yeah, the Keith Raniere, um, and uh, I forget her name, but... The, um, oh, what is her name? It starts out as uh, like Chloe. an... Chloe. Chloe's her character. The, the girl from Smallville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I forget her name. But yeah, Allison Mackey. Yeah, Allison Mackey, so... Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the girl who plays Baru in Star Wars... What? She was in it. She was a victim. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because, like, it, 
it starts out with being like an elect or a special group, you know? That's mm-hmm. what cults start out as a lot of times, you know, and being like set apart and chosen and all this kind of stuff, like all of the stuff that makes you feel special. That's why cults work because they make you like feel like, you know, you're better. Yeah. And you have this superior knowledge. So like I definitely see how people are like extra suspicious of exclusivity. Yeah. And like exclusive societies and exclusive things that like are harder mm-hmm. to peek behind, like I said, peek behind the curtain. So it makes sense. Why, yeah, that's why, true. Yeah. So, but I do think for the most part they're innocuous. Like I don't think there is a secret cabal of people doing and controlling a bunch of stuff. Like I think it's more like what you said. It's just like, hey, can your job get or can your can your granddad get me a job here doing this thing? Like. I think it's more like that, you know? Yeah. Not anything. Who knows? I could be completely wrong, and maybe the reason why we, you know, I don't know, maybe the reason why everything's wrong with the world is because of secret societies. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe. I think it's mostly just because of money. Yeah. Which, secret societies are often tied to money, but yeah. Uh, True. But no, yeah. Like, it's kind of like the, like, correlation and not cause kind of thing. It's like, Yeah. But anyways, so um, that's our topic on secret societies. We'll go ahead and, and move on, start wrapping this a, up. Do you have a hot take? Uh, I do. Do you have one? No. You don't have one tonight? No, which is interesting because I usually do, but no. Okay. Well, go mine is kind of a little bit piggybacking from the one last week where we were talking about this new law about... Um, making daylight savings time permanent oh yeah and how like if we wanted to get stuff done we really could yeah so now first of all actually kind of side note i think i actually finally realized like what we're in now i believe is daylight savings time i never really never really thought about before like which one was which to me daylight savings time is just like both of them like yeah we do daylight savings time by springing forward in the spring and falling back in the in the fall um, but actually, like, one of those time periods is daylight savings time, and that one is now, I think. We are in daylight savings time. Yeah. And that's the one that they're making this part. But we're not saving daylight. We're having more daylight. Yeah, at the times when you're using it. What? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Here's it's all thing. about conserving candles, really, is, is what the idea started from. It was an idea by Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. That wasn't implemented candles. until much later. I don't remember when. Sometime Oh, like daylight savings. So like or daylight like candle saving time. Yeah. We are in daylight. Yeah, saving. we're not like hoarding the daylight. I know. That's what I'm, I, know that's, I know. That's what I was like. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so like right now during this time, we are in daylight candle savings time. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, go go ahead with your um, but and it was really a conversation I was having about this topic later um, that led me to this one. It's an idea that I've had before um, about the should we say productivity level of Congress and how they typically can't get a lot done except when it comes to dumb things like that. Um, and I have this big problem with like all of the bills that get introduced um, that never get voted on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before I actually do that, I do want to actually 
make a correction on some things I said last week that I thought that they had gone ahead and passed and it was just waiting on a signature. I believe it did pass the Senate, and I think it's waiting on the House of Representatives or vice versa. I don't remember which one is first. Gotcha. Uh, but it's already passed one, it's waiting on the other one, and then a signature. So it's not just all the way done. But the fact that it's already passed one within the span of two days is it's, ridiculous. Yeah, your your uh, outrage still stands. Yeah, um, but the fact that like there's a ton of bills that go on to, you know, they they, they get introduced that they just ever actually never get brought up to a vote. Yeah. Um, and that seems ridiculous to me. Like for the longest time, that was what Mitch McConnell and I don't remember the person whose job is it that. Or like, what's it called? The person that Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. That's yeah. Nancy Pelosi. No, not Speaker of the House. Um, the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, I don't know. I. Anyways, whatever that he does, he basically like brings things up for a vote. Yeah. He gets to decide what gets voted on. Yeah. And I feel like that's ridiculous that there are some things that just sit there and sit and sit and sit that have been introduced that, well, that just never get voted on, so that they can never get passed. And I feel like if. They need to implement this this rule that like whatever bill gets gets uh, submitted in mm-hmm. has to be voted on like has to within a certain amount of time like a hundred days we'll say a hundred days or hundred and eighty days or whatever and if it's not if it's not voted on by that deadline it automatically passes. That's terrifying. It is, isn't it? And you know, you know, I, you know what that would do? It would make them vote on it, or not even throw in such ridiculous stuff. Well, yeah, no, that's that's not gonna happen. They still won't throw in ridiculous stuff. That's terrifying. I don't like that. I completely, vehemently disagree. Which I don't usually, I don't usually disagree with you on like matters of this, but I a hundred percent disagree with that. Hmm? That's terrifying. I'm not saying that it, it would make everything perfect, but it would make them do their jobs. And then the person that missed that automatically loses their job. Period. We would be going through politicians. Either that like, or at, at the very most, like they get like, you miss two or three and you're out. We would be going through politicians like politicians go through mistresses. That would be... Real hard to keep up with. Well, they would actually be forced to do their job at that point. Also, I think this should also be implemented that they have to be there to vote on stuff. So, like, they can't just miss assemblies. And so that it, it some, someone, you... someone monitors that and they all have to be in attendance. And however many, like, however many assemblies that they miss and votes that they miss, that's tallied up. And their salary is reduced proportionately because that's their job. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. If they're not in there, regardless like, of what they're doing, whether they're campaigning, whether they're doing whatever, if they're not in the assembly for the job that they're actually there, then the ma- amount of times that they had their salary the needs to be reduced proportionately by that amount because yeah. that's what they're there to do. Yeah, I see that. I guess I see that. So. Still though, like I get, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with like the passion and energy behind it. But I definitely, I just think that like the political system is just so. Yeah, and I'm not trying to get like super political, like oh, conservatives are dumb or Democrats yeah. are dumb or whatever. Like, yeah. On no, both no. sides, 
No, yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Like it's it the the what is like the cat and mouse game or like just like the fact that people like it seems like it's the giant game to them and like it's just yeah and they just get up there and like kind of take advantage of the position that they've yeah been elected to yeah and they don't take it like to 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 basically not do their job yeah from from our perspective it doesn't seem like they take it as seriously and that there's just so much like baloney there's just so much bull that yeah gets like added into it it just it bureaucratic red tape kind of stuff like yeah like so that's ridiculous. basically kind of my hot take on yeah. how to fix Congress. Yeah, that makes sense. By implementing these things that would kind of force them to do the jobs that they were elected to, to light do. light a fire under them, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't agree with it, but I do, like, be like, hey, you, it, it adds a level of accountability. Yeah, exactly. It, it and now does. I'm not saying, like, I necessarily like the idea of, yeah. like, the automatic passes after a hundred days, like that's potentially terrifying because it could be something that's really harmful. Yeah. But I just feel like, you know, maybe there's a better way to do that. But I think every single piece of legislation that that comes across has to be voted on in a reasonable time frame. You yeah. can't just sit there and let stuff sit. Yeah. Well, I think it's really that's really telling. And whenever you said that, it reminds me of like oh, like um, like jury and like a trial, and how delayed getting a trial is like they're getting a trial is like getting your day in court takes years and i don't think like whenever the system was invented it was meant to take that long you know what i mean no it definitely wasn't and so it's just it's the same kind of thing like when the system for congress and like voting on bills like was built it was not meant to take this long. Like, it really was not meant. It was just meant like, oh. Well, to, to be honest, like, when this system was built, it really wasn't built to handle this scale. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean. We are the great experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't disagree with, like, the concept. But I do, because I, yeah, I think accountability is needed. Mm-hmm. And it's seriously lacking. So... Because I think we all have those, like, we all have those laws or, you know, things that we're like, who let this pass? Like, who let this through? Why is this a thing? And I think there would be a lot more of that. And I think, you know, making things a little bit more. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. I was going to (laughs) sneeze. Making things a little more transparent would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who let this pass? It's like, well, this person that you elected to this job didn't bring forth the vote. For this thing, you know. Yeah, or at the very least, like then that the majority leader, I think I think that's just part of their the Senate majority leader. Like that's their job is to introduce a bill up for a vote or whatever. Like then they should like if they miss bills, like don't bring it up within a certain time frame. Then their salary gets reduced. Yeah, because that's automatically. Their, yeah, and then and, if they do it enough times, they lose it. Yeah. Well, and then it's like the, like, like there's committees and subcommittees and like all that kind of stuff too. And yeah, it's just, it's real complex. I mean, yeah, I don't really care about the rest of that stuff. It's not, I'm just, they can do their thing, but yeah, I'm just thinking like, I'm not a parliamentary procedure or like Robert's rules guru or anything, but I feel like it's just like, 
let's just simplify this a little bit, you know? <laughs> it doesn't need to be so complicated. Just vote on it. If yeah, you know what's just, in there. Just do the job. Yeah. I hear you. That was a good hot take. Yep. That was a good one. So, that's... We got deep I, on this I one. Think, yeah, we did. I think that's really everything. Um, so that's pretty much the episode, I guess. We'll go ahead and start wrapping this one up. Um, so, again, just want to thank you guys for uh, joining us this evening. Uh, we really appreciate you guys' support. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, yada, yada, yada. do this every week. Um, you can email us, datenightcoffeeshop at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at datenightatthecoffeeshop. You're getting so good at that. You know what you could do? You could pre-record that and then just slip it in whenever you, like, you know, edit. Yeah, that's true. But then I would lose out on the joy of saying it every week. Oh, so, so you do find joy in the repetition of saying it over and over and over again. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Uh, our coffee tonight was Ethical Bean Coffee's Sweet Espresso Blend. You can find this at Walmart and I'm sure probably uh, several All other your places. Major retailers. Yeah, uh, but it was good. Go check it out. It's a really good one. Do you think we should say we're not sponsored by any of these people? Because we really aren't. No, I think we would say our sponsors if we had them. That's true. Okay, good point. Um, so, yeah. Go check them out. Um, and then, you know, just keep coming, coming back next week. Uh, so, again, if you have any coffee suggestions, any topic suggestions you want us to talk about, reach out to us, DM us on Instagram, email us, whatever. Um, we want to hear from you guys. So, uh until next week, thank you guys for the support, uh, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye-bye. See ya.